Hey, and welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael, and I am your host. Let's see, today's show. Today's show is with a couple of my favorite people. We have Justin Nelson, chair of the Arizona chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and we have Land Tawny, executive director of National Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So uh, if you haven't figured it out, this show is all about Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And, uh, you know, in full disclosure, I serve as the vice chair of, of the state chapter here. And I'm a little biased uh, uh, to this organization. This is where I cut my teeth volunteering in conservation. You know, I've worked in, in the natural sciences and conservation for, for a long time. But, but this is where I started my volunteer life. And, boy, I couldn't have found a better and more welcoming entry than uh, this group of guys and gals. You know, I consider these these people my tribe. Uh, they're my friends, my buddies, and I would encourage you to find one of the pint nights. We're we're gonna have them all around the state this year, and come out, uh, meet these people, and and you'll know you'll know why I am so fond of them. This is a great organization, both at the state and federal level. They are absolutely on the front lines of protecting our public lands, making sure. We, as hunters and anglers, bird watchers, bicyclers, hikers, campers, making sure we have access to our public lands. And when we get there, making sure we have healthy habitat and wildlife populations. So that stuff there, that stuff is the foundation of everything we all love. So get out there, support this great organization. And uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy this podcast. I know you will. Before we get on with that, though, let me tell you, things are busy in Arizona this spring with all of our great conservation organizations. Let's see. For the sake of time, I'm going to cut this in half, and I'm only going to give you the March events right now. And uh, that next show, we'll, we'll get into April. But boy, there's a lot going on this spring. So let's start with, let's see, Southern Arizona Quail Forever. They are doing a road cleanup on the 25th of March at 9 a.m. They want to meet at Hog Canyon Turnoff, just south of Sonoida on State Highway 82. This usually takes around an hour, and your help would be appreciated. Wear long sleeves and long pants. Glove, gloves, a hat, and sunscreen are recommended. Safety vest, pickup sticks, water, and bags will be provided. You know, this is an opportunity... Uh, for you to spend just just one day and go out there and show the general public that hunters care. They, they care about the environment, they, they care about the habitat, and they're out there doing the work to keep it clean. You know, this also helps us with access and, uh, you know, access to Hog Canyon. We didn't always have it. You know, there were people that worked on that, 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 that got that access for hunters and anglers. So let's let's show them that we care and we appreciate that. All right, next, Arizona Wildlife Federation, that's us. March 18th, the 25th, and April 15th, join Arizona Wildlife Federation and Rim Country Trail Stewards on a trail maintenance project near Payson. Enjoy the lovely Rim Country as you help improve the Highline Trail. All right, moving on, National Wild Turkey Federation. It is turkey season is coming up. It's springtime. I've got a tag in my pocket, so does my little boy. And uh, these guys, they are, are they're keeping busy uh, in, in the in the in the heat of this uh, spring turkey, uh, you know, frenzy that some of us get ourselves worked into. Uh, let's see. They are hosting and and are partnering with multiple turkey hunting 101 seminars across Arizona in the coming weeks. 
March 18th, uh, National Wild Turkey Federation is teaming up with Yuma Desert Doves and hosting an event at the West Wetlands Park from noon till 3 p.m. Open to adults and children, 9 and up. March 21st, uh, Christian Hunters of America is joining up with Turkey Federation. And they're hosting a seminar with guest speaker Jess Warner from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Oasis Community Church in Scottsdale. On March 22nd, the Wild Turkey Federation is hosting a seminar at Cal Ranch Store in Tucson. So if you are lucky like me and you've got a tag in your pocket for this spring, this is your opportunity to get out there and learn a thing or two about turkey hunting before you get in the woods. All right, last but not least, from Arizona Fly Shop. They're holding their spring fling event in March, on March 18th, uh, from 10 to around 4 p.m. Let's see, join us for our annual spring fling event for the fly fishing community, featuring industry pros, your favorite vendors, kids games, and raffles that benefit the fly fishing philanthropy. Let's see, they had over $12,000 in raffle prizes. That That is nothing to scoff at. I would get out there and I would get involved in that. If you can, this is down in the valley, easily accessible for everybody. So get out there, support the Arizona Fly Shop. All right, so that's it for our announcements. We will get into April's announcements on the next show. So stay tuned for that. There's a bunch going on there too. And enjoy this show with Land and Justin. These guys, a couple of my favorite fellas. Um, entertaining to say the least so we will see you after the show thanks all right now now we're in business all right i'm here today uh with a couple gentlemen from my other favorite organization, conservation organization, organization, backcountry hunters and anglers. So we have um, our fearless leaders from both here in Arizona, our state chapter, and from our, our national org- organization, I guess is that how you say that? So I guess to start off, fellas, I, I'd like, I'd like... North American organization, I think oh, is better. all right. But... Is there an executive director up in Canada? Or no. Okay. Sorry. Canada's in North America, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Like they, like you're leaving out I'm the off, Canadians. I'm off to a good start here, aren't I? Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm here with these fellas. Uh, I want to start with a couple uh, introductions. Um, so let's start with you, Land. Um, tell me who you are, where you're from, uh, maybe a little bit of your background in the outdoors, and how you came to the position you're in now. Sure. So. Uh, Land Tony. I'm the president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and I'm based here in Missoula, Montana, which is where our headquarters are. I'm a fifth generation Montanan, so I've grown up uh, hunting and fishing here in the great state of Montana. And both my parents were involved in conservation. They were the first full time conservation lobbyists at the state legislature here. And so I would say that that's really where I got my roots, was from my parents in particular. Uh, got a wildlife biology degree and then went to work for uh, the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Then ultimately the National Wildlife Federation after that, uh, right before I came to BHA. And I'm celebrating uh, 10 years with BHA this uh, May, which to me is absolutely crazy that it's been 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how quick it gets by, doesn't it? And the older you get, the faster it seems to go. <laughs> Especially when you have kids. 
No, no kidding, man. It's like putting one foot in a grave uh, when when you have your first child. Um, and I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't mean that well, bad. It's that's a, a great wonderful... quote. I don't know if that's one that like we should live by. <laughs> it's a wonderful uh, adventure for sure, but boy, it, it gets by quickly. Um, hey, congratulations on ten years. Thank that's you. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for your leadership as well. If this you 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 were made for this position, I believe anyway, at least in my eyes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Thank Justin, you. how about you, man? Um, yeah, Justin Nelson, uh, Arizona State Chair for the Arizona Chapter of BHA. Um, I've been involved with BHA, I think, since, I'm trying to think just now, I think since 2016 or 17, uh, first got introduced to it just through a pint night, you know, up in the north side of Phoenix. And saw an article online, read about it a little bit, and sounded sounded very interesting. So cruised over for a pint night, and the chapter was you know, um, kind of just starting out and um, was looking for like leadership. So I kind of jumped in day one of like being secretary um, to willing to take that on, like writing newsletters and emails and stuff like that. And did that for a couple of years until the, at the time, uh, Kurt Bhatti, the state chair at that time, decided to step down and focus on retirement, which rightfully so. Um, uh, I offered and volunteered to step in and been doing that ever since for the past, what was that, four-ish, five-ish years now. So grew up hunting and fishing, kind of, I've changed, I've expanded on that a lot through the past, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, growing up, it was always uh, with my dad and uncles and cousins, and um, we'd do one really big family trip every year. And it'd always be centered around usually mule deer hunting in either Colorado, Utah, or Idaho. And we do one big out-of-state trip every year. Um, and But, you know, never really grew up with, like, the small game or the other opportunities. It was always just that one really big 10-day trip. Yeah. We'd, you know, early on, we'd go in, hunt off horseback and, you know, remote Idaho or, you know, have a big base camp somewhere in Utah and head out from there. And it was always the highlight of my year. And then as I kind of ventured out on my own after college, um, and started taking it more seriously, got it into like, you know, spending more as much time outside as I could. So ventured into like more small game hunting, started putting in for every species there was in Arizona, um, out of state as well, like Colorado when I didn't drop here. And so now it's, there's not a season that I don't, you know, partake in. So kind of grown really in the past like 10 or 12 years. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. And, you know, I, I thought about how, how to conduct this as trying, trying to be impartial, but it's, it's not going to work. So I'm going to go ahead and interject in here how I heard about BHA and how I got involved. And, um, you know, for folks that don't know, I serve as the, the vice chair for the Arizona State Chapter underneath Justin. And I had gotten back. I, I mean, I grew up in Missouri, right? So if you're in the outdoors, into the outdoors and you're a kid in Missouri, you hunt and fish because that, that's that's what you do. And but then I got away from it in my young adult life for a number of years, and I started chasing around birds and all other manner of wildlife and backpacking and paddling. But then coming out into Arizona and having a family, I had always knew I was going to get back into it. So, um, you know, as soon as we kind of settled, uh, I told my wife, hey, I'm going to try to put a deer in the freezer every year. And then, of course... You know, I'm I'm not the kind of person that halfways anything. Um, you know, as soon as I, I took that step, I was all in. But I, I was talking to a buddy back in Illinois, and I was I was complaining that 
you know, looking around the landscape of sportsmen in Arizona. Now, mind you, this was before I knew how wonderful all the sportsmen in Arizona were. He recommended to me to look up backcountry hunters and anglers. And I did. I soon learned that there was a pint night um, close, uh, literally right down the street from my house. And holy hell, this is a reoccurring theme you hear all the time in this organization is, is you feel like you found your tribe. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about rendezvous a little later, but I remember you know, the, the two rendezvous I've been fortunate enough to be at. Uh, yeah. How, how do I say this? I'm not an overly tolerant person. I think I'm pretty tolerant. But not overly, you know, people get on my nerves. I don't like everybody. There was not one person at those events of hundreds, thousands of people that bothered me. I was just blown away at the quality of people that are attracted to this organization. It's just amazing to me. You got something, Land? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I was just in Arkansas. I was in Minnesota. I was in Pennsylvania. And I hear that same thing, Michael, all the time, like all the time. Like I found my people, you know, and I think that I don't know exactly what that secret sauce is, but I'm glad that you both have kind of like talked about how you came to BHA and this community that we have together is pretty amazing. And, and so thanks for being a part of it. And uh, let's bring more people to the fold. Awesome. Well, Lan, I know that you've probably told this campfire origin story so many times that you're you're sick of it. But, you know, the folks listening here, they may not have heard it yet. Do you mind mind telling us about how BHA got started? Sure. So in Medford, Oregon, uh, there's a guy by the name of Mike Beagle, and he was working for Child Lumen at the time. And he saw this opportunity to bring folks together uh, around a campfire. I think there was a little... Uh, whiskey that was shared that night and you know the 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 world's problems were solved and one of those problems that they looked at was that there was nobody really focused solely on public lands and public waters and so he worked for Child Unlimited doing great work for cold water fisheries you have the elk foundation doing amazing work for elk turkeys ducks pheasants quail mule deer like the list kind of goes on right and I think that focus that those that those organizations have on species is absolutely important, but nobody was really focused on public lands and public waters. And so, at that original campfire, they basically, you know, said, "Let's form an organization that is solely focused on making sure you have access to public lands and waters, and then the quality of fish and wildlife habitat when you get there." And I think, you know, like diving even a little granular, they were looking at um, at that point kind of unfettered OHV use on our public lands. And so, you know, there's a time and place for four-wheelers and, you know, any kind of, like, engine use, I would say, on our public lands. Sure. But not everywhere all the time. And I think that's right. what they really, like, thought about. And, I, you know, one of the first bumper stickers was, use the quads God gave you, you know. And, I missed that one, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty rad one. And we did. I took it away when I first got here, and it was like I was taking people's birthday away because I was not a real religious <laughs> dude. And I was like, man, like, you're probably, like, alienating some people. And then we took it away. Yeah. I took people's birthday, and then we brought it back. And, you know, we should bring it back again, Michael. But I think we that should. that's how the organization started. And so really about quality habitat and quality experience. And yep. and since then, you know, we've, we've grown to, you know, having chapters in 48 states, uh, two Canadian provinces, one territory, members definitely in all 50 states. And I, you know, I... 
as I've traveled again over the last like few months, like the people on the ground that are doing work is like at the heart of who BHA is. And I think that's what it, that's where it really started. And, uh, you know, folks like Justin and yourself, like epitomize that, you know, like that are taking time out of your, out of your days to give back to something that's much bigger than you. I think that's absolutely amazing. Right. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the off-road vehicle thing. Um, and again, I don't want to give the impression of any kind of elitism or anti-anything. I mean, I, I very much uh, abide by the fact that public lands are multi-use and they don't just belong to me and other hunters just like me. They belong to everybody. Um, but here in Arizona, um, as as in many places, uh, you know, the, the motorized use in the backcountry is getting a little out of hand. Everybody recognizes it. Um, even all the off-road groups recognize it and uh you know are trying to get a handle on it there's legislation being run this year uh, around it so it really is an issue um again bha is not anti-motorized use uh, our cha- chair justin there he he uses one every time he goes elk hunting i'm a little jealous of him um but <laughs> yeah. uh, uh saves my back right no i'm still hiking i try to tell myself it's because i'm a badass but yeah i, I don't know if that's i, I think it's yeah. just because i can't afford not to it saves uh, it saves beating up my truck right any more than I have yeah. to. That's the that's how I justify it. Gets me further than I normally would have gone. So, so does BHA have a nice clean mission statement? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, again, like we're trying to make sure that we educate and activate people in a natural setting, and 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 I think that you know the shorthand of that is is access to public lands and waters and then the quality fish and wildlife habitat when you get there. And, right and to me, you know, that is, that might in some ways feel very focused, but it leaves the door open for many, many, many things. And, and you know, that I think it's uh, there's a beauty in that. And I think there's a <clears throat> beauty in each chapter to figure out what that means to them. Right. And I think that there's some sideboards they could put in that. But boy, the, every single chapter does kind of like takes that a different way, and I think that you know that's like beach access, uh, you know, in Florida and on the north coast of like like uh, uh, New Hampshire right now, or mm-hmm. if that's stream access in Montana or New Mexico where we just got a big win, you know, I think that yeah, like everybody can interpret that in a different way. But at the end of the day, we're trying to make sure that there's these wild places that give you solace adventure challenge and that means something different everywhere in the country and i think that's the beauty of bha in a lot of ways is that the chapters get to decide what that looks like to them right on well i'll tell you what man coming coming from the missouri ozarks i was not aware i mean we we had the, the mark twain national forest but man it, it's not much and deer season out there, you can't find a parking spot along the roads. It's ridiculous. You know, and, and we, you know, rode our bikes around to farms and knocked on doors and asked permission and we were granted. But that's not the case there anymore. Um, you know, it's, everything's locked up in leases. So moving out west, I wasn't aware of the value of public lands until I lived here. So I'm wondering, before BHA, before that campfire, were other orgs, you know, turkey, elk, were they were they aware of the value of public lands? Were people working on these issues? Because there's bad public land bills every legislative session. I mean, <clears throat> I worked for National Wildlife Federation for seven and a half years before I came to BHA. And 
you know, the state affiliates in particular, like Montana Wildlife Federation, Arizona Wildlife Federation, you know, uh, you know, New Mexico Wildlife Federation, public lands is in their DNA. I think I actually have a shirt from Jesse Dubell, uh, who's executive director of New Mexico Wildlife Federation that says that on a shirt, right? Like, I think it's like, so I, when I say there wasn't a lot of organizations working on that, that's definitely leaving out one and that's National Wildlife Federation and their state affiliates. And I, I didn't do that on purpose, by the way. I think I was trying to talk about the difference between these species organizations in particular. Yep. Yep. But National Wildlife Federation and the affiliates have definitely been amazing partners. And I think that, you know, that, you know, going back to the formation of the Federation back in the 30s, when there was, you know, a lot of, I would say, the Dust Bowl era, right? You know, and, and kind of this, this lid was coming off the prairie. Out of that kind of came a dedication to public lands, and that's where the duck stamp came out, right? And the duck stamp mm-hmm. is the number one kind of funding source for national wildlife refuges, which are all public and open to you and I, and everybody else is listening to this. And whether that's birding, whether that's hiking, or hunting and fishing, which is one of their main tenets of National Wildlife Refuges, like those are public lands, and that came out of that era. So National Wildlife Federation, you know, and and Ding Darling in particular, who was the founder, like those things, like the roots uh, are absolutely amazing, and I think that continues today. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll tell you, um, me and my little boy, uh, we just finished uh, Havelina Hunt. Just oh, dude, week. I saw the pictures. Yeah. Oh my god, Aren't they what an amazing yeah. hunt, dude! What an amazing. Uh. <laughs> Dude, it was. I couldn't have asked for a better first big game hunt for him. He's ten, so this is the first time he could draw a tag. And uh, we hunted two and a half days without seeing. Well, no, no, that's not fair. We saw Havelina twice, lost them. No, I think once they winded us. Once we just lost them. Um, and then you know, hardcore wind, rain, cold, and you know we go all day. We go out before light, and we don't get back until it's dark. You know. Um, and he, he's just a trooper, but I, I've been raising him like that forever, you know? <laughs> so he's used to it. But in this case, so then we get back up here. We're disappointed. I got a pile of work stuff. Um, you know, I've been driving back and forth to the Capitol just a ton these past couple months. And it's, it's a two and a half hour drive for me anytime I go down to the Valley and we were hunting near there. Um, and we decided, you know, we, we got to give it one more try. Cause that's the one thing I've always taught him. It's like, you put in the work, you know, if you don't put in the work, it just, it simply doesn't happen. So we drove down there again and, uh, got up there in the evening and it was windy and cold. And I'm like, all right, this was a waste of time. We had one more day after that. Our last day was the next day. Go to bed that night. It's pouring rain. Just the wind is ripping. And then in the middle of the night, dead calm and the snow started coming and we're in the desert proper, you know, low snoring desert. And woke up the next morning to a beautiful place, you know, covered in snow. Uh, so it was, and then it all comes together. He made a perfect double long shot. He even, he passed on a shot he wasn't comfortable with. And then, then he made the perfect shot. And then, uh, for, I was fortunate enough to have one hold still next to him. So I took the rifle from him and then dropped that one. So, I mean, I just, I don't know how it could have been better, you know, but I will tell you on that trip and it, it happens to me often, it occurs to me that not only is it almost unreal that here in the United States, we have all of this land that belongs to us. I mean, as far as we could see from a glass and knob, 
it's all ours, you know, and beyond that. And, and on top of that, that, you know, we get to do this thing, this thing that makes us human, you know, in, in such a different world um, that we still get to do it. And not only do we get to participate in this amazing process of going out and getting our own food, but it's a good thing for wildlife. It's a good thing for habitat. It just, it blows me away. You know, uh, sometimes I just let it sink in and I can't believe it. So we're very lucky. I mean, Michael, you and I and everybody listening to this podcast owns 640 million acres of federally managed public land. You add in state after that, and I wish I had that stat. I don't know if you do, but like it's, 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 it's much larger than that. But 640, let's just take that. And that idea that you just talked about, about being at that glassy knob and like everything that you can look at, like you can go hunt, like, come on, man. Like I didn't grow up like here in Montana. I wish I would have married a ranch girl and I wish we had that, you know, 10,000 acres that was all ours, <laughs> but I didn't. And so I have, you know, the public land and I, I could explore all the public land just in Montana for the rest of my life and barely even scratch the surface. And that I is, know, that's, how I, that's how I feel. It's here unbelievable. Too. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I'll tell you, and it's, it's not yeah. just hunting and angling. It's, it's hikers, it's backpackers, it's paddlers, it's family car campers. You know, it, yeah, it, it's a resource worth guarding jealously. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's, now that I've waxed poetically about my love of public <laughs> lands, uh, let's, let's move on to kind of the, the, the structure of backcountry hunters and anglers. You know, every organizations, uh, nonprofits are, are structured differently. Um, backcountry hunters and anglers, you know, we're a membership organization. You know, I, I believe our power comes from our people, but can you, can you delve into a little bit of, you know, how, how we're put together, how we operate? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think I talked about the formation of the organization, you know, back in 2004 around the fire and for almost 10 years, this organization was solely run by volunteers, solely run by volunteers. There was a couple of part-time staff when I took over and staff is really here to elevate the voices, I would say, of our, our volunteers and our members. And so when I talk about chapters in 48 states, where are you at, Delaware? Where are you at, Hawaii? Like, we got to get that stuff done uh, to complete kind of the map. But, um, you know, the the chapter leaders in particular set the tone for what is going to happen in their own state or within their own chapter. We can go up to Canada and talk about, you know, the provinces and the territories. But really, it's the volunteers that drive that conversation. We as staff, you know, I think we're just there to help elevate voices um, and and to me, you know, there's some things that happen at a federal level. No joke, right? Like the Great American Outdoors Act is a great example mm -hmm. where it's like an all play for every single chapter in this, in this country. Or when Chaffetz wanted to sell 3 million acres, right? Like it was an all play for everybody. Yep. But the majority of time, this is issues that are happening on the ground in that particular state or that particular province that, that the chapter leaders and the volunteers really drive and we as staff are just trying to elevate that conversation. And so uh, membership organization, when you become a member, that makes you a member of the entire North American organization, but then ties you into your state or provincial chapter. At that point, they will let you know about activities. We've mentioned pint nights tonight, you know, like pint nights are a great way to bring people together. It's a community effort. 
but there's stewardship opportunities where you're helping pick up garbage or you're helping, you know, repair a repairing zone or you're helping maintain a, a trail. Then there's opportunities to engage at a state fish and game commission level or at the state mm-hmm. legislature that you were talking about. And by the way, thank you. Thank you for your day job. And like this is a volunteer, all the work that you're putting in right now at the legislative session, because it is thankless work in a lot of ways. And it's very hard work. But if you're not there, like somebody else is there and our voices aren't being heard. So thank you for that. Right, right. Um, and then we, you know, and then we engage you at a federal level. And I've talked about, you know, the Great American Outdoors Act. I think there's a few things that we're engaging in now. But we try to make it easy for people to engage in the process. And whether that's at a local mm-hmm. level or it's at a federal level, just making sure that uh, people know who to contact and how to contact them and voice their opinions. Right. You know, I think. You know, a lot of people in this country don't think their voice matters anymore. And I would say, yes, it doesn't matter if you don't use it. You know, and I think a lot of right. people are, man, I, like, I can't go up against the big money. No, we can't. Not individually. But as a collective voice, it only takes five or six phone calls out to Washington, D.C. to start making some noise. And so, you know, I think people need to like keep that in mind. And BHA, we just try to make that easy, you know, and, and I think yep. that... Um, this process that we're engaged in, Michael, is like, it's just a blip in history, right? Like, if you think about the modern-day conservation kind of story in the United States, late 1800s, you know? So we're talking right. 150 years probably at most. That's a short little blip in history. Oh, my so gosh. All these folks came before us, and now it's just our chance to do, like, you know, and yeah, carry that yeah. forward, which is pretty exciting. Land, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um uh, two two things I want to uh, hit on. One, have you guys watched the 1923 Yellowstone spinoff or Yellowstone? Okay, not yet. Yeah, I know M- Montana. Yet. And by the way, this is like it's a painful thing. It's a painful I, thing that's happened in Montana <laughs> right now with this. All right, I, I get it. I, I yeah, I get it. Um, but the 1923 <laughs> series is especially interesting to me because that's when the Arizona Wildlife Federation was founded by Aldo Leopold. Um, so when I'm looking at that, when I'm watching this show, I'm getting this picture. I mean, that was like Western, old Western stuff. And it's like, yeah, that, that's how we were. That's what we were operating. That's where we were trying to create the first game commission. So just super, super interesting stuff to me. But um, I also wanted to mention that we just held our annual camo at the Capitol event. Um, and and you you talk about going down to the legislature and, and doing that work. Um, yeah. Justin. And, and BHA, our legislative director as well, um, those guys are always there. They're always there. Um, and I'm getting paid for this stuff. They're not. But, yeah, at that Camo at the Capitol event, you know, we had, hell, what, over 20 sporting organizations? Or, or, I, I say sporting, the vast majority sporting. We also had Arizona Trails. We had Audubon. Um, we served over 14 wild game dishes. Um, gave a legislative update talk about public lands. And the one thing I told him is like, Hey, this is not, this is nonpartisan business. This isn't about him or her or left or right. This is about good bills and bad bills. And public lands is a hard line. And everybody there out of over 20 conservation organizations are all nodding their heads. So people get it. People get the value of this stuff. Well, Justin, you have two paid dudes here right now with, Michael and myself, and you're doing this as a volunteer. I'd love to hear from you. Like, why? Like, why are you spending your time 
on this, right? I mean, I, I, I may get it intrinsically, but I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, as you know, growing up and taking advantage of the opportunities that, you know, my dad passed along to me with, you know, hunting and fishing, um, you know, growing up, it was never really thought of. It was just kind of, oh, this is just what you go do. Um, and as I got older, you know, and, you know, after college, when I started getting really, really more involved into like, you know, exploring, you know, opening my eyes past just deer hunting and exploring like, hey, what's small game hunting about? What is this about? And, and uh, I just started looking into the regs and started um trying to figure out the whole process of how Arizona works, you know, why are there certain tag allocations, what drives that, and getting really into a deep dive of conservation and how it all came to be, like how did this process even come to be, why is it ran this certain way. And so I really took a lot of time to look into that as I was getting more involved and found out, like, uh, you know, Game of Fish is not, you know, the, the revenue comes from the people that, that uh, partake in the activity, right? They don't take, um, you know, there's no state taxes that fund the game and fish department. Um, and it's kind of similar in the, uh, you know, user pay, user benefit type of model to where, you know, the, the people that are using it are the people that are putting their time and energy back into it so that it continues in the future. And I think that's just like a genius way to go about it. And I didn't want to see that go away or be restructured in a way that is beneficial to the small minority. Um, so, you know, and obviously within the past handful of years, we've seen ebbs and flows in a hundred different ways of which that small minority is trying to make that happen. And it's not something that I take lightly. And so, you know, I started looking into more and more, you know, organizations and like how. How do we make sure that what we love to do and what we've always loved to do continues in the future? And I think that's through, you know, conservation, yes, which has been going on for, you know, 150-ish years, but also where I think the voice is the loudest and the most effective is at the legislature. And, you know, there's, you know, with like the R3 movement in, the, in you know, recent years, where you know we're we, we well maybe pre-COVID we were seeing you know a big dip in license sales and hunter participation and so there's that ebbs and flows but where where I thought that we were headed um, faster than anything was like conservation by ballot or um, you know the the um, and where the uh, things aren't based in science or or you know research things are based on emotion and you know uh, a small percentage of people actually benefiting uh, versus the what's good for the whole so i feel like we're in a position now more than ever that you know the legislative that the legislative side of things unfortunately is where we're going to make the biggest impact you know maybe even more so than like you know a uh, water catchment project or something like that. Like the boots on the ground stuff is extremely critical and extremely important. And it's it's there to maintain the, the healthy habitat and the healthy wildlife. But I feel like 
there's so many good organizations that do a great job at that, BHA included. But where BHA kind of stood out to me was the legislative side of things and their their voice of, you know, not being afraid to speak up because not every opinion is going to be popular. And um, if if we come at it from the angle of this is what's best for the for the the greater good, both now and in the future, I think we share a lot in common with the people that may think of a different way. Um, but you know, in the long long game, is what I'm shooting for is the legislative side of things. In my opinion, is where we're going to make the biggest impact, conservation-wise, public land-wise, just being for access-wise. I think that's where it's the you know the rubber meets the road more than anything. Well, I mean, Justin, like like you said, like I think like the projects that are on the ground are absolutely important, like absolutely important. It also connects people to the land, which I think you can't underscore that. But these decisions that are being made at a legislative right. level have much larger impacts, right? Like they will impact the entire state, right? When you think about things that happen out in Washington, D.C., that'll affect right. the entire country. And so I think that your idea of like focusing on those things that can have a larger impact, like I totally get that piece and thank you for your efforts. Yeah. Yep. That Justin... Um... We, we all really give him a hard time on being kind of a crappy communicator, but he, he's a smart guy. He's a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> he's here right now. Michael, he's right in front of us. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, I guess damn. we're talking about him, yeah. so that's okay. <laughs> no, nah, nah, he, he's a smart fella. He really is. Um, yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk, since it's coming up, um, and, and sadly, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to make rendezvous this year. But like I mentioned earlier, rendezvous is one of the more – I don't know, not, not to sound silly, but magical, uh, events I've, I've ever, uh, attended just amazing people and so much cool stuff going on everywhere. Let's, let's, if, if, if you wouldn't mind taking the, uh, the mic land and tell us a bit about rendezvous and, and Justin, you just hang tight. Cause we're gonna get into state stuff here shortly, but tell us about national rendezvous land. Yeah. So, you know, I think <clears throat> what you two described and what I hear across the country all the time is that. I've found my people, right? Like, I've found my people. Rendezvous is, like, no offense to those gatherings that are at a local level. But this is, like, the best of the best, the most committed. And, Michael, I'm very sorry that you won't be there. Uh, oh, especially as sorry to, as I am. Uh, uh, to grace us with your amazing recipes when you do the Wild Game Cook-Off. But I think that, you know... As a whole, like rendezvous used to be this thing that the trappers, when they would be, you know, in the hinterlands across the West, rendezvous was a way for them to come together, swap stories, and then and share their wares, right? All the things that they've been doing. Like it was a little bit of a commerce, but mostly fun. And so that's really what rendezvous is in general. is It's bringing together people from all across the continent, right, like North America, and bringing them together to kind of revel in this idea of public opportunity, public waters, public lands, and public wildlife. So that's like as, as it is a whole. I think that the, uh, you know, the learning aspect of rendezvous is absolutely gigantic, you know, for so for chapter leaders, there's always a chapter training and kind of like the new and the greatest things that other chapters are doing. Like there's hardly ever when HQ comes in there and is like, here's this training that you should do. It's mostly like learning from each other, which I think is important peer to peer. Yep. Um, 
Then, you know, we go into our uh, field-to-table dinner, which is the only really high-end dinner that we do. But it's like four chefs that cook amazing kind of four-course meal that is... I heard Ryan Bussey used to describe it as, like, the best dinner on the planet. And I would totally, like... Like, like reiterate that uh, because it's all game that was wildly harvested. The chefs donate their time, and then people get to come there and get to experience, you know, some of the best of the best. Then we go into like our Friday, and Friday is a lot of seminars. This year, um, we've got this is an interesting one uh, that uh, um, Randy Newberg uh, is kind of like probably the headline person that's going to be on this panel. But we're going to talk about hot spotting public lands, right? And so, like, Ooh. these ideas of telling people about public lands because they're so important but sometimes then they get overrun with people right like in your yeah, spot that's... like everybody like you know and i'm i'm pretty pretty careful about the way i talk in particular about this one river that's close to missoula and and i don't ever mention its name but i hint at it and the people that know probably know exactly what i'm talking about but i think that so this hot spotting conversation will be interesting, especially from like, like social media perspective, right? And so that'll be one conversation. People will be learning how to uh, cook wild game better. They'll be learning how to camp during the winter. Uh, they'll be learning all these different skills. At the same time, we'll have a, a panel on climate change, which I'm super stoked about. You know, I think that climate change is affecting hunters and anglers all over the continent right now. And I think yeah, the more that we kind of, yeah, we, that we lean into that conversation, the better. Uh, we'll have a little bit of fun on Friday night too. So it's St. Patrick's Day this year, which happens to be on a Friday, so March seventeenth. Uh, and we're having a brew fest, and so we've been talking about pint nights, right? And and mm-hmm. I think, you know, Ben Franklin, what is like that that quote that's like, uh, "Beer is proof that God loves people." I think is what he said. But I think you know, <laughs> like, I think the community aspect of bringing people together over a pint uh, and the welcoming aspect of that is really what the brew fest is all about so we're lucky that it's out in st patrick's day this year um i'm excited about that we'll have bands and each brewery is going to do their own st patrick's day brew which is going to be fun awesome and you flow into saturday more seminars uh we'll have our award ceremony which i think is absolutely amazing just to celebrate the people that are doing the work all over the country i could give you some previews of that but i get in trouble but they're amazing people all of them um and then you know we end up which I think going back to like where the fire that we started at, right? Like in 2004 in the back of Mike Beagle's yard where they came up with BHA stories were told that night and they've been told around every single fire that was ever made. Like back in the day when that first fire was like started besides being super excited to actually learn how to do it, but they told stories that night, you know? And so we have a storytelling night that is kind of the crescendo of all of the, the, um, the rendezvous and so that'll happen on saturday night and you know we've got a great lineup there randy's telling a story hank shaw's telling a story uh we've got ashley uh smith from minority outdoor alliance is telling a story it's just this you know, this way to i think connect with people um and, a, and in some ways a lost art form right like we're living on 30 second you know like reels right now or maybe even less than that 10 second reels 15 second reels we're living on memes this is a way to like connect with people in a real visceral way. And so um, that's a rendezvous in a nutshell, I would say. Again, it's just like this gathering of people that are very like-minded, that care about the same things. And uh, 
I always say my bucket overflows from rendezvous and I come out of rendezvous being exhausted, like exhausted. Like I'm on point the entire time, <laughs> but I also come I, out I've of that with a ton of energy. With your performance you know? there. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. that? So I've been impressed with your performance there. You, you <laughs> keep going somehow. You just keep going. It, oh. it, it is an exhausting three days. Uh, but like you said, somehow it, it's energizing as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you touch on so many cool things. Storytelling event has is, is always been one of my favorites just because of the quality, the quality of people and the quality of stories. Um, hell, I think last year, we, or not last year, year before, we butchered a bison and cooked it up. Dude, which was amazing. That still is one of my. And I, I, I would still pause for a second because I think the people that weren't there. So the Blackfeet tribe came in with the Brave Dog Society, and we had just got this freshly killed bison. They blessed this bison. They're showing people their traditional rights, which is very special, just on its own. Then they start to butcher this bison, and Michael, you remember this? They like looked out at the crowd and they were like well, what are you guys doing? Like, help us out. And so people are pulling knives out of their pockets and we're skinning this bison and then we're breaking this bison down. Yeah. Blood on people's hands. But it's like this shared, like, kind of, like, peace. And, you know, what we wanted to do uh, is butcher that bison and then serve it to people later that night. And then the damn health department got involved and said it didn't happen in a clean environment. <laughs> and so we couldn't do that. But what was great about that whole situation is that we sent Tyson home with that entire bison. And so he shared that with his elders back on the Blackfeet Nation, showed that with people that were in need. Um, and so I love, like, it almost worked out better. Right? We paid it forward. The yep. one thing I forgot to mention is the wild game cook-off, dude. And like that, like, I, you I, I wasn't going to let it go by. Oh, yeah. dude. And <laughs> that, the things that people come up with, like, like you know, and, and they combine them with, like, the presentations alone are unbelievable, but, like, the, the recipes. And I would say I was in Minnesota this just in the last couple of months, and Greg and his son have decided not to participate this year because they've won the last two years. And so they're letting somebody uh-huh. else win, as he tells me. Um, but uh, I know that you were victorious and like you got to put your name on the on the on the trophy. Two years, two years, two, two years running. Maybe yeah, it's, yeah. It could Min- be Minnesota's like a- our nemesis here. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful human beings, but we hate them. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. But yeah, I, I do want to talk a bit more about uh uh, the cook-off, because, yeah, we, we hang our hat on that, and we're proud of it. Um, Justin, you can you tell us about the, the first cook-off we, we engaged in? Yeah, the, so that was the, the first year Arizona won. Was, uh, we were in Boise that year. Um, I commemorated that win with a with No, a little, you uh, didn't. That's souvenir. amazing. That's amazing. And, uh, All right, so, so Justin's yeah. showing, a, showing a bear paw t- <laughs> and, uh, tattoo on his arm uh, for folks that are listening and obviously yeah. can't see this. And, and uh, so my wife and her friend, one of our other chapter board members, wife was the team that won. I, prov- I just had to provide the meat. And uh, so they, uh, they did a dish uh, still to this day. One of the best things I think my wife's ever made, uh, which is a high bar. And so we did a Sonoran tamale which is kind of like an open-faced tamale with a masa cake instead of it being wrapped. And then javelina chorizo with a javelina salsa verde sauce. And then I think what really threw it over the edge was desert bighorn sheep testicles uh, that were poached in butter. And so that that was quite the year. That was, that was I think we were all on cloud nine for like the whole next year 
after that win because it was it was really something else. That was a lot. Of nobody, fun. sorry, 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 sorry to break in, but nobody ever is gonna like forget the poached desert bighorn sheep balls. Like that is like. <laughs> You'll never ever have that anywhere yeah. besides that, like probably the wild game cookoff. Like that was amazing, by the way, just amazing. Right? Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. We spent like a few weeks like fine tuning and like preparing and doing test dishes uh, at my house and like like coming. We cooked those testicles probably a half a dozen different ways to try to figure out like what was the best way that they would taste. That's, that's the beauty of sheep testicles. They're big enough to do that. They're big. They're huge. And, uh, you know, from that, like before that, before that event, I had never saved testicles off of any animal that I had killed. I always just kind of, you know, whatever. I'd always save the heart and the, uh, the tongue. If I remembered sometimes when you're in the middle of it and it's 10 in the 10 at night, and you're tired and forget to take the tongue out. But anyway, um, Always saved the heart, the testicles I never even gave second thought to until um, a friend of mine, BHA member, uh, knew we were in the cook-off. And uh, I knew he had gotten a sheep a couple months prior to the cook-off. And he said, hey, um, I'd love to contribute. I said, man, that's amazing because that's a once-in-a-lifetime animal. You sure you really want to contribute any like meat? So he contributed some ground, a couple steaks. And I said, just off the cuff, just trying to be funny and didn't expect him to say yes. I said, you didn't save the testicles, did you? And he said, absolutely, I did. I was like, if you're willing to part with that, I think we can really set this thing over the top. And he graciously accepted. And so we spent the next few weeks fine-tuning it and figuring out the best way to do it. And apparently poached and butter was the best way to do it. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to uh, – Bringing that trophy back to Arizona this year, where it belongs. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> throwing it down! And yeah. It's because it's because uh, the Minnesota boys are taking a year off. That's what they would say. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah, they. Uh, no, I, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I think that win that Justin brought home set a new bar for the cookoff. Absolutely. Um, I think that was the first time a cocktail was served with with the the, the meal. Yeah, but and then I will say the the next it was the very next year that that I participated, correct? Right. Yep. Okay. So I, I'm going to go through my dish real quick because it is two consecutive years in a row that we won, but not a big deal. We did. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, we did. We ended up we we met at my place to go over a menu and and you know I, I I get a lot of credit for this but the truth is I think I know how to treat a piece of meat and I like to cook but my, my partner Jonathan Odell it now now past Arizona game and fish small game biologist migratory bird biologist he moved to Argentina on us to go to a culinary school down there so he's missed dearly but um I'm I'm sure still a, a dues paying member of Arizona back or backcountry hunters and anglers though, but he he really is uh, next level in the kitchen, and but we came collectively we came up with this dish and I just kind of rode John's coattails from there, but we served up antelope jackrabbit, which is a, a species only found in southern Arizona in the United States. Um, I'm not sure if it occurs into New Mexico or not, but uh, it's it's the largest. Uh, perhaps not the heaviest, but the largest lagomorph in North America. Huge, huge rabbit, but uh, and delicious. Um, 
better than other jackrabbits. Not that they're bad, but this is better. Um, but we serve that on top of a mesquite flour uh, tortilla as a main course. And gosh, I mean, I don't, I'm not even going to remember all this. Uh, we topped it with something, some some fresh pico or something. Then we did uh, a lote style choya buds. So the choya cactus, the fresh buds in the springtime, you break off and you can dry them, rehydrate them. And we, we hit them with a torch and then we topped them with, with the mayo and, 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 you know, pepper and, and cojote cheese. And then we had Western diamondback rattlesnake. And I, I always tell people, I, I'm not a big fan of killing rattlesnakes because they're, they're slow growing. They only reproduce every couple of years. You know, they're, they're not as abundant and, and productive as people think they are, but this is a very common species out here. So I felt, felt pretty good about it, but we took and we filleted off fillets of those rattlesnakes and we coiled them up, skewered them with saguaro cactus spines, uh, then poached them in butter and topped them with a prickly pear syrup. Um, and we did this, the presentation, we took mesquite, planks and we cut a bear paw out of it so each of the toes and each of the pads had it had a different entree on it um and i i was very proud of it but we won with that uh the next year we in, we entered and we got second place i still blame hank shaw for that uh, i say that i say that I, I i say that you know not not too begrudgingly because i consider him a friend but um but yeah uh, and that, that was, I'm not going to go through that meal as well, but I was impressed with that as well. I thought it was good, but, um, yeah, this year, uh, our fearless leader there, Justin and our board member, Wolf Gummerman, they're going to bring it back home to Arizona. Bringing the heat. Dude, the That's creativity, <laughs> the creativity that we just heard in those two dishes. Like if anybody's listening to this, like there's no way that you would ever get anything like that besides at this wild game kickoff. Like, and oh, thank you guys right, for right, yeah. your ingenuity, but also like getting it done. Like that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I'm a, a little disappointed that Minnesota is not going to be participating because yeah, they're, they're going to have, they're going to be able to play that card when we bring this home. They're going to, they're going to be able to say it wasn't. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. I got one thing to tell you. Let me, let me tell you one story about rattlesnakes. So okay, my dad's out bird hunting with his buddies they didn't have a great day. They come across this rattlesnake that's sunning itself on the road, right? Like they come out on the asphalt in particular when it's cold out just to sun themselves. And so they stop the car. Snake goes into a hole. They dig it out of the hole, cut its head off. Like, Michael, I would love to have a conversation with my dad. Like, why did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> uh, but they did it. And when they got home, they put it in this like stand up freezer. And the best way to do that is to coil it up, right? Like, I mean, you can't, right. like, you could chop it up, I guess, but he coiled it up. And so I remember I was about five years old, and my dad, or my mom goes down to get something out, you know, in the freezer, and my dad had forgotten to tell her that he'd done this. <laughs> she was terrified of snakes, anyways. She opens <laughs> up the door, and here's this snake, like, chest high, just like looking at her, obviously head off. Yeah. I remember the the blood curling scream, and then like the ensuing fight that my mom and dad got into. And I think my dad was laughing at the beginning of that, but then he understood that he had definitely uh, done something bad. So as soon as you started talking about that rattlesnake, I was like, that story and that like passion that my mom like gave my dad uh, came right back. So thank you for yeah. uh, uh, pricking that memory in me. Right on. All right, Justin, let's move into some state stuff, man. Can you uh, can you kind of give a rundown of our state chapter, the kind of things we work on, and, uh, yeah, the kind of events and things and pint nights we hold? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, like I said before, uh, I think as a chapter, you know, as a main focus or one of the focuses that we, I think, hang our hat on is the legislative focus that we, um, you know, have throughout the session, which we're in the middle of the session right now. And, you know, it's an interesting year right now with this year where we have a, you know, the House and the Senate's control goes one way and then we have a different different party and as the governor. And so it's been it's been interesting, to say the least. Um, so which is good and bad. It's double edged sword. Right. So, you know, there's some bad public lands bills, bad kind of wildlife conservation bills in general that have reared their head like they always do every year. Um, you know, I guess on the plus side of having a divided legislature is those bills don't really gain traction and they don't really have a path, you know, a daylight. But on the uh, also double-edged sword part of it is the good bills uh, share the same fate in a lot of ways. So um, there's some good bills out there that, you know, we're focusing on and have been trying to gain traction over the past couple of years, which, you know, with uh, COVID taking priority, education taking a priority, some of those bills kind of take it you know, a backseat. Um, so, which is to be expected, I think this year, again, just with a divided legislature, I don't think some of that fringe stuff has really a chance to go through, but you never know. Um, that stuff has a way of sneaking in at the last minute through like a strike all bill or whatever they like to do to play games and share favors at the end to get, you know, something accomplished uh, for the year. Um, so that's a big focus, especially right now at the early part of the year when we're hot and heavy. I, I forget the no total number, but I was kind of surprised at the total number of bills introduced so far this year, I think is on pace for being one of the most busy years in a long time. Um, so yeah, other than that, you know, we're, we're taking a new approach overall this year. So at our chapter planning uh, meeting earlier this year, you know, obviously I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing about COVID, but you know, Nonprofits, I think, were hit. Nonprofits, not just BHA, but nonprofits in general, took, I think, a bigger hit than most people realize with, you know, especially with us, where like a lot of our fundraising and a lot of our membership activation and, and uh, engagement is through in person events and projects and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, up to prior to this year, you know, that takes a really big hit where you kind of lose some of the really good momentum we were building, you know, pre-COVID to where pre-COVID we were, we were doubling our, we were on pace with national to where we were doubling our membership every year for like three years straight. And uh, here at the state level too. And then, you know, obviously COVID hit, you know, the people you're used to seeing at these events, like, you know, the full drop film tour where we host the table every, you know, for Tucson, Phoenix, and then flag every year. Those are the people who are like, hey, this is where I renew my member. I remember how to renew my membership because I see you guys here every year. Um, so it, it, at those three in those three days, we signed up 150 people just because they're like, hey, this, this is where I remember seeing you. This is how I know to remind myself to buy my membership. So when those stuff kind of things go away, you know, you kind of lose the momentum. But this year we're taking a new approach, you know, kind of events and projects are kind of back on track. You know, we're not having to take all of the kind of the the same precautions or the same things falling through as years previous. So um, we're kind of dividing and conquering our events this year rather than it being held on, you know, the shoulders of the, of the few. So we're, by doing that, we're able to 
have more events, have more projects throughout the state for more people to get have an opportunity to get engaged and either learn about BHA for the first time, renew, reactivate, you know, get re-engaged. We've already had, you know, people reach out and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, with our after our planning meeting, we sent we sent out a recap of our planning meeting or what our plan was for the year to all of our members through the email and said that they, you know, love seeing the new you know, new approach, that kind of thing. So, you know, we have already have a handful of projects like volunteer boots on the ground projects lined up. Uh, first one being in April and then in June and then one in the fall as well. And then, um, you know, that um, that refocused effort into in-person events too is really, really going to gain a lot of, a lot more traction uh, this year than it did last, even last year where we started slowly seeing that rise at the end of the you know, second half of last year. So, um, you know, some new events too, that like, uh, were kind of a surprise to us like last year with our mushroom hunt, um, really, really, really surprised and really awesome to see how popular that was. I think we had to actually stop registration because we were getting too many people interested, which is a good problem to have. So, you know, uh, looking to build upon, events like that to be bigger and better you know our yuma you know there's no there's not a place in the country maybe uh that's better to dove hunt than in yuma even though it's ungodly hot there are birds to be found everywhere you look and uh you know trying to grow that event from from the ground up with the help with you know arizona game of fish department asked us to take that on and do the cook-off there kind of do a mini rendezvous style cook-off that focused on dove there Excited to be back there again, opening weekend. Um, if you if people have never experienced opening weekend of dove uh, season in Yuma, Arizona, it is something you have to experience once in your lifetime. I honestly think it's a bucket list thing. The the first time I did it, it was before we started doing anything with BHA. I just showed up. I think Odell invited us out there to see what it was like. And opening morning, it sounded like a war zone. And you're in the middle of town. And it's just like unbelievable the amount of action and the amount of, you know, people out and enjoying this activity is like nothing I've ever seen before. The only problem is, which shouldn't be a problem for Arizona people, but it's just hot. That's all. So if you can look past that, it's, uh, you, you could have a limit by, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and then hit the pool afterwards and grill up some dove. And I can't think of a better weekend. So um it's uh it's a lot of fun so looking to grow that again bigger and better every year and then you know our projects we have uh working with arizona game of fish department again with some uh you know uh projects up in uh, unit 10 uh, with some cleanup projects with a, a rancher who um, is part of the adopter ranch program with the arizona game of fish department to where they're part of uh i guess similar to like a block management style to where they allow access onto their ranches um, through uh, with help from the Game of Fish Department, um, kind of in return. So, like, they help organize nonprofits to, you know, do trailhead cleanups, do fence removals, water catchment repairs, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, desert or um, kind of public land type shooting areas, get those cleaned up, and in return, they grant access to the public to hunt their property. And uh, so it's kind of a win-win scenario. So we're going to have a handful of projects up there this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, looking forward to what this year has in store.
Well, you, you did a great job there, Justin, except for one thing. You, you left out the family squirrel camp. Oh, I did. I, I feel like that's... I only left it out there. because it's it's kind of your baby, and I didn't oh. want to step on your toes. That's, that's, I'm sure that's why I left it out. Oh, I appreciate that. I pre- Yeah, that makes sense. There's there's no way you could have left that out accidentally. Um, no, not at all. No. One thing that I, I love about this chapter and BHA in general is there's a lot of great nonprofit conservation organizations. Absolutely. But when you join this one, there is absolutely every avenue and a big wide open door to like coming in and being part of it. And, and that, that's what I love about it. You know, our, our group of, of chapter leaders and board of directors, um, and, and just, you know, closely involved, uh, members, these are all my friends, you know, uh, this is my crew, uh, and, and I, you know, very good friends. And, and that's the beauty of this in BHA. One, another thing I love about them is they're open to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, been hunting your entire life or you're brand new or you've never went, you're just thinking about it. You know, we got open arms for everybody. And I love that about this chapter and we just tend to attract the greatest people. But so, yeah, if you, if you want to get involved with BHA, it's easy, you know, just, just come on in. Cause, cause we're going to welcome you no matter who you are. Well, okay. I did bring up family squirrel camp. I should probably elaborate on that just a little bit. Um, not, not only do we have that, some of our, our, I, what I consider like our bigger events every year, we have, uh, the, uh, the dove cook off with Justin kind of, kind of is a, the head of the spear on that one. Uh, the family squirrel camp, which I, I kind of put together and, um, man, it just, it's a blast. Um, you know, we still hang out and drink a little whiskey around the fire, but it's still a kid friendly environment. And just, if you want to, if you want to come and just experience what hunting's about, or again, if you're a seasoned hunter and just want to come and participate, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, this is just, uh, it's, it's open to everyone and it's a great environment for kids and adults alike. And we have a blast. Um, but then also I don't want to leave out our, 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 I can't say that fast. Our R3 camp um, that uh, board member Wolf Gummerman puts on. Uh, I've been involved in that twice and it's, I just, the man runs a tight ship. Um, it's a lot of fun, a lot of good food, a lot of programs and, you know, some, some good hunting. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's not your regular kids camp. It's, it's aimed at adults that, that want to hunt. And it's an opportunity for folks that are interested to get out and get, you know, hands on mentoring or, you know, I, I heard mentoring mentor is not a good word to use anymore, but I forget what the alternative word was, but we, we live in the days of, of high sensitivity here, but, um, but yeah, get some good instruction, instructor, uh, get out in the field with instructor in a safe environment, uh, find some animals, learn how to cook those animals. Everything comes with it. Learn how to camp. It's, it's just a great event. Wolf, Wolf does a good job at that. So we have a lot of great events coming, going on throughout the year. Big thank you for me. Like just like as Justin has kind of taken the mic and as you guys have gone back and forth here, just like with activities. Like, again, like I said this at the onset, but like the volunteer leaders are who drive this organization. And what you two just described is nothing short of like volunteer engagement. So just thank you from me from Missoula. Oh, man. You're, you're welcome on behalf of the entire chapter. Well, with that, what, what do we leave out? Anything important or relevant that, that folks need to know about BHA? I mean... The only thing, and I kind of said it a little bit earlier, but I would reiterate it, is that 
the only way that us three are enjoying all the things that we talked about today were because people before us set us on the path that we're on right now. And, you know, public lands did not happen by accident. And they're not going to be carried forward by accident either. And so, you know, I think that another way to say that is that you're either at the table or you're on the menu, right? And, like, we will not win every single thing that we engage in. But we have to be involved in that conversation to put our ideals forward. Because if we are not, somebody else definitely is. And and so whoever's listening to this, you know, I think it's action matters. And it really does. And and so, you know, I think, you know, a lot of hunters and anglers aren't joiners. And that's like, you know, like they, they love being out in the woods by themselves and finding that solace, finding that challenge, finding that adventure. But for those of you that have an inclination to step up, join an organization, join BHA, join Arizona Wildlife Federation, join, you know, your local quail forever. Like, this is how our voices collectively come together and are much larger. So do something. I think, and I'm on a soapbox a little bit, but this idea that hunting is conservation, right? Like, and so if you buy a license and then the ammunition and guns that you buy, there's an excise tax amazing that's just like the entry point like if that's all we do sure that helps contribute but i think we need to do more more than that we need to engage whether that's you know as justin described some of the on the ground things that are happening or if that's a state legislature or it's within these r3 efforts like find a way that that matters to you like don't do stuff that you don't want to do but we will give you opportunities whether that's a bha or other places to engage and you know, not to be uh, too harsh, but like shame on us if we don't carry on this legacy that was given to us. Like it is absolutely, absolutely. amazing. And Michael, when I see you out there with your son in this javelina hunt that you describe, and that's snow, right? That's snow in this desert landscape that you will never forget. He will never forget. Like that is what we're trying to preserve, you know, whether that's clean air, clean water, the outdoor economy, like all these things. Those moments that you had or that moment that you had with your son, like, come on, man. Like, nobody can ever take that away from you. And I think that that, that is at the heart of this idea of community that we're trying to perpetuate. And so the lasting thing is just engage somehow, some way, uh, no matter who you're li- you know, who's listening to this. Find the organization that matters most to you. Uh, maybe find multiple organizations that matter to you. But just, like, step up to the plate, I would say. Awesome. Well put, Land. Well with that, gentlemen, um, I, I want to thank you, um, and I damn well mean it. Thank you for your leadership, both on the federal and the state, Justin. So it is appreciated, and I appreciate you being here today. Michael, we will miss you. We'll pour out a little bit for you, and uh, uh, we will— uh, Don't pour it out. Uh, just drink Just drink it for me, all right? <laughs> we will do that, too. Uh, Justin, looking forward to seeing you in Missoula and coming back, returning the crown to Arizona with oh, the yeah. Wild Game Cook-Off. No pressure, though. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Good. All right, fellas. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Well, like I said, I am biased towards this organization. Um, You know, between Arizona Wildlife Federation and Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, man, I I just, I feel like, I feel like I, I... it just i don't know it suits me it's my my niche and you know all of the great organizations here in arizona 
working on behalf of wildlife and habitat and public lands are, are worthy of our praise. Um, but again, I'm biased to these because, you know, these are the ones where I, where I spend my time. But Arizona Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, and the National Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, they, they really are. I mean, they make it their mission to protect our public lands and protect our access to those public lands and to make sure we have healthy fish and wildlife habitat when we get there. And that is the foundation of not only hunting and angling in our country, but it's the foundation of everyone who enjoys the outdoors, whether you're going out there to bike, hike, camp, doesn't matter. We're there to make sure that these lands stay in the American public's hands and to make sure that we all have access to them. So get out there, join up with your local chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. If you have the opportunity, go to Rendezvous. Oh my God, is it a kick. So much fun, so many good people. And uh, I just can't say enough about it. Uh, I wish to hell I was going to be there this year. I'll make it back next year for sure, though. I promise you that. All right. Don't forget this show is made possible by the Arizona Wildlife Federation. The Arizona Wildlife Federation is our state's oldest conservation organization, founded in 1923. We are celebrating our 100th birthday this year. Again, keep in mind, we're looking at having a big old birthday bash coming up this year. I will bring you those details just as soon as they're available. Please consider joining up and supporting us. You can do that by going to our website at the link below and just looking around. You'll find your way. We would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks then. Take care.